This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. It totally does. All right, sound check, sound check. One, two, one, two. Everything's good. I have done a bit of research here. Okay, good. It's not well laid out. I'm kind of, I'm not like Nancy. I'm, I'm not a professional at this, but... <laughs> Boy, if I got you fooled, I, you hear me stumble and bumble. I'm like, what the hell did I write here? And I, for, I forgot half of what I wanted to say. Oh, God. The only thing you can really say is it was all in English. I never understood it. It was all in English. Did you guys hear the joke about this, uh, this uh, suicidal fellow who's on a bridge is about to jump? And uh, then he, he's met by somebody who says, don't jump. And he says, yeah, I, I got to jump. Nobody loves me. And the guy says, well, God loves you. He says, yeah, well, maybe. He says, are you Christian? Yes. Well, me too. He says, uh, you happy? A Catholic or Protestant? Uh, Protestant. Wow, me too. Uh, so he says, uh, are you uh, evangelical? Yeah. Well, whoa, me too. You happen to be Baptist by any chance? Yes. So am I. Wow. Are you like the first church of uh, Baptist or second? Second, then you just pushed him off the bridge and you heretic. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> oh, let's do this. Hi, this is Jeff D. Hi, my name is Gary Savard. Check it out, Bubba Brinkman. I am the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson. Hi, this is Jody Emery. Hi, I'm Aaron Rod. Hi. I'm James Rand. Hi, this is Phil Ferguson. Hi, I'm Michael Shermer. Hi, I'm Eli Bosnick. Hi, this is David Silverman from American Atheists, and I took a left at the valley. And that was the best turn I ever made. Uh... <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Ah, coming at you from some secret lair, Abbotsford, B.C., this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I ask you, if a word was misspelled in the dictionary, how would you know? <laughs> Joining me is a team willing to test that if one synchronized swimmer drowns, does the rest of them drown too? <laughs> she told a joke in the forest and nobody heard it. Was it still a joke? Teresa. <laughs> Her friend had a baby. She recorded all the noise so she can ask him later what he meant. Nancy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he. Even, even the great one can get bum puzzled every now and then. Oh, and, that's me. Yes, I'm, hmm, okay. And he Hi, used, everybody. He used to own an ant farm, but unfortunately he couldn't find tractors small enough to fit in. Scott. Yeah, they're a bugger to find. <laughs> I tried hard. Guys, welcome back. <laughs> oh, this show always starts on a laugh, doesn't it? <laughs> We're going to have a great show today. We're going to be talking about apophenia leading to pareidolia. Wow, that should be fun and interesting. I have no idea what it means. But Neither we'll... do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I question, sure hope you do. the question is, can you locate them on a map? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. We've got lots of things to go through. Uh, guys, did you hear that the uh, new president of France, Emmanuel Macron, pulls a Trudeau, and he actually uh, decides to all uh, half his cabinet is going to be women. He's so enlightened. <laughs> you know, no. Trudeau was so so ahead of his time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> apparently Trudeau's was leading by example, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, this, this is exactly what's happening now. So hopefully, this trend continues in other governments. So I and wonder what the question will be for the French president. Uh, 
Well, well, because it's 2017 instead of 2015, right? <laughs> well, you have, you have to give his wife credit because she steered his career for a long time. Yeah. And I'm sure his decision to have women was whispered in his ear quite a while. Yeah, not, not to forget his, his mistress either, right? Yeah. <laughs> French politicians always have a mistress on the side, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, he's lucky there's any men left in the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, isn't it? Um there's this, uh, apparently there's a, the, the wife of a daredevil, Nick Wellenda, and she's a daredevil too, apparently. She plans to hang from a helicopter over Niagara Falls only by her teeth. This oh, I, sounds... I hope they're real. <laughs> that, that would be. That that's would that's be what I real... kept thinking too. Are, are somebody's teeth going to fall out? Well, yeah. well, it's a story with bite, obviously. June 15th, apparently, the, uh, this is the anniversary of where Nick uh, t- tightrope walk over Niagara Falls. He did that about yeah. five years ago. And her name is Erendira Vasquez Walenda, and she's going to hang over by helicopter over Niagara Falls with her teeth. I, I, okay, sure. Whatever floats your boat. Sponsored by Polident. <laughs> <laughs> or Colgate, depending on the status of her teeth. Okay, I've got. I stumbled upon this uh, interesting little story. Apparently, scientists found in Siberia a forty thousand year old bracelet. Now, what's interesting about this bracelet? It's very sophisticated, and it was found in the um, oh god, Penisova cave near. This is near the Chinese border. But the thing about this bracelet is, it was actually made from another human species, not from Homo sapiens. It was made by the Denisovan people, apparently. Very they, cool. Yeah, they apparently left Africa after the first wave of Homo erectus left Africa. They coexisted with Neanderthal and sapiens. Apparently, there is some DNA evidence that proved that there was some hybridization. They were much more robust, uh, uh, but the, uh, the uh, bracelet was made of chloride. But the skill needed to make the bracelet, which was actually quite refined, is, they say, 30,000 years ahead of its time. And Very cool. And they analyzed this bracelet for seven years. Wow. Yeah, it's actually, you know, you know, for such a primitive species. And it kind of makes you wonder what if that species would have been allowed to continue. A comic book. I think I saw a comic book about this once when I was a kid. That yeah, you're supposed to be the comic book? Well, an archaeologist goes in and he finds a wedding ring and it's his wedding ring. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There's a time travel story. Right? <laughs> That is cool. Do they know? Do they know anything else about that particular? No, I mean the analyst for seven years, and you know, it's it, the, the way the way the, the the craftsmanship and the way that it was drilled in using tools of the time was showed a, a a high degree of sophistication. Yeah, you know, hmm. it's not it's not it's not like a piece of leather tied together. It's actually quite impressive. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they find other artifacts. Yes, exactly. Learn a little bit more about them. In great news. The U.S. government orders homeopathic treatments to be labeled does not work. <laughs> apparently, what? Now, yes. Now, apparently, the, the, uh, the, the, the government, the U.S. government requires producers to prove the efficiency of the product. Otherwise, they have to label that it has not been proven so. Well, why would anyone manufacture a product that's put on the shelf and labeled 1995 but does not, does not work? You think sales, you think sales are going to tank? They're not going to use that, that wording, obviously. No, I'm, you know, obviously, they're probably but gonna say, even you know, so. These, these haven't been proved by the FDA or something like that. They're going to prove some kind of comment like that. But it, I think it's a step towards uh, taking out those uh, homeopathic uh, could be, an, could be an interesting new step. I, I, I'm seeing this go into other products. Samsung phones, maybe, may explode spontaneously. <laughs> Truth in advertising. E-cigarettes will explode in your pocket. <laughs> really bad for your health. Um, other news, NASA wants to send people to the moon. Apparently, we know that NASA has been trying to put a manned mission to Mars by 2030. But in the meantime, they want to send uh, people to the moon to spend one year around the late 2020s as a preparation for a manned mission to Mars. So that should be interesting as well. Are they training already? Uh, I don't know. It's in the late 2020s. Well, so I would imagine I would assume, starting, I would assume that, yeah, they would probably start recruiting. Start, and, exactly. Yeah. Going so, the, it, it seems so silly. I mean, we... we 1969, we had people on the moon. Mm-hmm. 
nineteen sixty nine to nineteen seventy two. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah, and forty years later, we're going. Well, we yeah we we should we should be going to the moon. You've already been there. We had the technology to do it. Well, you also have, yeah, but we went to the moon and came back right away. To go to the moon and stay a year, that's a whole different ball game, right? Well, we're, we're staying, colony, we're, staying in a, we're staying in a space station for six months to a year at a time now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, the technology's there. Yeah, but yes and no, because, you know, when, when you need to send some supplies to the space station, it's not that big of a trip. If you need to send supplies to the moon, that's a big trip. Oh, you know? well, yeah. So yeah. they're, they're I, using I just, that as a step as a, a stepping launching, stone, a stepping stone yeah. for staging a, area. Staging yeah, area. it's a lot easier to launch things from the moon than it is to launch. That's from true Earth. as well. Yeah, yeah. you right. don't have to fight gravity as well. You, as much you as, also don't have the garbage field that you have around that Earth. Too, that that as well. Uh, and finally, um, our prime minister uh, Justin Trudeau uh, is going to ask the Pope to apologize for the residential school. Uh, he's supposed to meet the Pope at Vatican City May 29th. And uh, this was a recommendation from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report, which was one of 94 calls for action. And he's going to ask the Pope to uh, actually come home, well, come home, come to Canada and apologize uh, to uh, these uh, residential school survivors. Now, whether or not what's his face, Pope Frankie, decides to do it is another. Yeah, Ball game, what are the odds? The fact that he's actually taking that step means that he's kind of taking this a bit seriously. Yes, and by the way, do you know where our Prime Minister was yesterday? Oh, yeah, we we just had a beer together. He came right through here, didn't he? Yeah. No, I don't know, did he? Yes, he was. He was here. I've seen his picture, Oh, his photo. You saw the hair? Yeah, I, did. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know he was coming to Abbotsford until I. Oh wait, wait he was in Abbotsford. He was yeah, in he Abbotsford. came into Abbotsford. Yeah. How come nobody told me this? Nobody told did. anybody. Nobody knew. Well, nobody. yeah, but you told me a day late. Uh, well, that's when I found out. I, I found out about it yesterday <laughs> before actually, he got here, but it was too late to. Yeah, we'll actually probably find out later that Nancy was right by him. Yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. My, was she she, mar- she marshaled his plane in. You know. <laughs> Marshall, I flew it. <laughs> he whiz. Shook his head when he stepped off the ladder. And I parachuted out and marshaled it in. Oh, come on, give me a little oh, credit. Oh, that was our little chicken. I'm too modest to tell you these things myself <laughs> until I'm forced to. <laughs> I guess now it's our time for this day in history. Nancy, Mike's all oh, yours. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> it is this day in history, which, as we all know, is a roundup of those events and people that altered and illuminated the days between May 15 and May 21st. Starting with May 15, it was International Day of Families. So here's one of my favorite all-time stories. And considering what's going on in Washington, D.C. with counter-espionage and the Russians, this absolutely fits right in. It's going back to the 60s. But, but I, I, regardless of the time, this is, this is really a great, great story. At the height of the Cold War, officials in the United States hatched a covert plan to keep tabs on the Russians in Washington, D.C. They would, they decided, deploy surveillance cats. I, I kid you not. Cats. Surgically implanted. Surveillance cats surgically implanted with microphones and radio transmitters to slip by security and eavesdrop on activity at the Soviet embassy. Now this is true. Wow. Uh, this is this is absolute this is not fake news. This Here's is, your mission, double O pussy. They couldn't make a movie this good. That's right. You've got the transcripts. of. <laughs> That's right. We know it's true. Kevin has a transcript. <laughs> anyway, the project went by the thinly disguised code name Acoustic Kitty. Acoustic <laughs> 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 uh, This is so much fun. Anyway, they operated on this poor cat, put batteries in him, and wired him up. And this was according to a guy that wrote a book. His name was Victor Marchetti. And he was the executive assistant to the director of the CIA in the 1960s. So 
a book came out of this actually in 2001 called The Wizards of Langley. So it's in the book and it's, uh, it's in Google, no problem to find it. Anyway, here he, this poor little kitty is with the batteries and everything else and the final little thing that they did to, to really make this embarrassing to the cat was his tail was used as an antenna. <laughs> what an iniquity to this poor cat. So um, in, in this book, The Wizards of Langley, he characterized it by saying they made a monstrosity. <laughs> anyway, so now they've got this whiskered, yowling, unbelievably expensive monstrosity. They put, the CIA put $10 million into oh, designing, geez. operating on, and training the first acoustic kitty. And that's according to several accounts. You know, it only cost $6 million for Lee Majors. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that in 1970, what was it, 1976 or whatever. Yeah. A $6 million man. I, I know, and here is the bionic cat, you know, costing more money. Anyway, so they... They get this poor kitty all stitched up and wired up and his tail is up in the air. And it finally came time for the inaugural mission. And the CIA agents released one of the agents, who was a rookie agent, from the back of a nondescript van and watched as he set out on his mission. So Acoustic Kitty dashed off toward the embassy, making it all of 10 feet before he was uncer unceremoniously struck by a passing taxi. No! 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 You lie! You are lying! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There they were, these agents sitting in the van, and the cat was $10 million roadkill in the middle of the Unbelievable. Oh, so, my God. So the CIA eventually scrapped the project, including, according to partially redacted documents um, in, uh, in George Washington University archives, that despite the energy and imagination of those involved, they decided it would not be practical to continue to try and train cats <laughs> as spies. Now, if oh they God. had tried it again, and that cat had made its way to the Oval Office when the Russians <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, with all these wild things going on, anybody would say, oh, well, of course it was a cat, and they're recording. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anybody, that we, is we, so we'd cool. We'd accept it. That's so funny. I love that story. It's just a great story. So is story. this why the president, always, the first family always has a dog? A just dog, in case there's right. a recorded cat like, somewhere. That's right, because the cat's always spying on them. So <laughs> they can't do it. Anyway, let's, let's, we'll skip on to May the 20th, which is World Meteorological. World Meteorological. Cat's got my tongue. World Meteorology <laughs> Day. Um, in 1899, the first traffic ticket in the U.S., New York City traffic driver, Jacob German was arrested for speeding while driving 12 miles an hour oh, on Lexington Avenue. Oh, the terror. The terror. Yeah. In uh, 1927, Charles Lindbergh took off from Roosevelt Field, Long Island, in the spirit of St. Louis. Um, and he was attempting to win a $25,000 prize for the first solo non flight between New York and Paris. 33 hours later, uh, after a 3,600 uh, 3, mile journey, he landed in Paris, earning him the nickname Lucky Lindy and becoming an instant worldwide hero. But there's more. On the same date, in 1932, Amelia Earhart followed in his wake mm. by becoming the first woman to fly, to fly solo across the Atlantic from Newfoundland to Londonbury, Ireland. So she had a totally different um, takeoff and landing, and her flight was 2,026 miles, and she made it in about 13 hours. A little smaller flight, but nonetheless, it was uh, it was an achievement. Absolutely. Um, and five years after that, along with her navigator, Fred Noonan, she disappeared while trying to fly her twin-engine plane around the equator. And they're still making movies and suppositions yeah. and documentaries. Didn't they find her remains now? No, they've claimed that they've come close, and but I don't think anyone's found the exact wreckage. Yeah, you know, okay. Uh, or attributed to the exact wreckage. It's hard, hard, 
Hard to, hard Nature to has a nice, nice tendency to clean up after itself. So yeah, it does. No traces. It does. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre. Occasionally <laughs> that, bizarre? Occasionally bizarre, but that make up. Spying cats. Spying cats. <laughs> Is that the wild? I mean, that's one of that's one of my... You like the grapefruit over Florida. Mm. I like Acoustic Kitty. I just, you know what? Acoustic <laughs> Kitty. Both, that, both that stories are it. fantastic. They are. They're wonderful. Both stories and they're are real. fantastic. This is why, you know, truth can be stranger than fiction. It can. Oh, so it who can. Needs, who needs fake? Who needs, <laughs> who needs stinking fake news at exactly, the podcast? <laughs> exactly. Oh, thank you so much, Nancy. For Acoustic kitty. Oh, my God. What? The look on these guys' faces when that cat went be. 10 feet and got I, I want to know what it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they opened the black box, <laughs> all they found was... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, well, before we go to take a break, let's let's do a quick... Uh... Things that make you go... Oh, God. All right. Something a bit more serious. You guys are going to love this. I shared this story on Facebook, and I got close to a 1,000 shares of this story. And this is right here in Canada. Now, if you guys had any doubt that Quebec was the progressive part of Canada, here's proof. Churches in Montreal are becoming concerned about hosting community groups after being hit with bills for taxes. They're taxing churches in Montreal. Let me repeat that. They're taxing churches in Montreal. (laughs) Now, Joel uh, Coupetier, which is the the minister at the Côte des Neiges Presbyterian Church, was shocked when his institution first received a municipal tax bill in early 2015. It was the first indication that something had changed, said Kopitsky. Provincial law exempts churches and um, from paying municipal taxes, but Kopitsky was told that if a church is vacant or if a man's or you know any part of the property of the church is vacant for several months between uh, ministers, it's taxable. Hmm. So in other words, if you're in the church and you're praying, that's fine. But if you have a couple of adjacent properties that are not being used or for the poor or the needy or for a service, boom, you're being taxed on. That's beautiful. So following that, following that, city officials arrived for inspection at every room in the church and they uh, and how they were used. The indication is there is not an exemption for the church as a whole. There's only an exemption for those areas used in public worship and things directly related to it. Wow, I wonder how that piece of legislation ever got through. I don't know. That is strange. As a result, many churches in Montreal are facing mounting tax bills. Um, Kopitsky said the city has changed how how it interprets the law. We're there to care and serve the community. That's part of it. So Kopitsky says taxes are due even when services are suspended for renovations. Hmm. No break at all here. Yeah. The amount owed in taxes can increase swiftly if a church closes its doors. When Trinity Memorial Church in, uh, closed its doors earlier this year, the city started enacting taxes immediately following the last service. Uh, Ruthless, wow. and I love it. Well, I, I'm kind of conflicted here. I, I'm feeling the uh, the old Robin Hood. Uh, did you ever watch that cartoon, the the Disney cartoon? For, was it Disney for Robin Hood? Probably. And, and 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 the churches were being taxed. The the tax man was coming along and taking the money right out of the coffers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't well, get more direct. You know what though? It's it's a building. It's taking up community services. It's uh, it's got fire service. It's got police service. It's got uh, road access. Exactly. It's got all of these things. They should be paying for that just like anyone else. I, I like like I think they're interpreting the law in a very reasonable way in Montreal. If you're, you're using the building and you used it for community service, fine. We'll, we'll exempt taxes on that because you're actually providing a service. If it's just a church that sits empty most of the week, except on Sundays, and you're still collecting all the the tithe and all that stuff, you know what? Boom, let's hit you with taxes because sure. you're really not helping the community. And you know what? Bravo. Yeah, bravo to Montreal yeah, for doing that. And be, I hope it spreads. Well, exactly. I'm wondering if it goes province to province, which provinces are going to embrace it and which provinces are going to say no religion should be exempt. It'd be very interesting. I think. I think well, I, I'm surprised it happened in Quebec first because Quebec yeah. is traditionally 
Catholic, the Catholic but, province. Like they're yes, very religious. As a Quebecer, I can tell you, no, they're not very religious. That's the thing. Really? Just because uh, there's actually almost a disdain for religion in many places. And you can, uh, one of the first indication of that was when I was in history class in high school, uh, the teacher would tell you that people would ask, why is every little town named Saint something? Saint Michel, Saint Madeleine, Saint whatever. And he would, the, the teacher, and this is the way I'm paraphrasing him, but the teacher explained it this way. He says, it's quite simple. He says, the religious people, the, the, the bishop who used to take a bunch of people from Quebec City and go to this place and say, you know, sign of the cross, all right, this is the community of Saint Alsem. See you guys, I'm going back to town. And you had to build a little city from there. So there was there was already this disdain for how the church... Okay, so how did they come up with saint Jolie de Haha? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think... I think I love driving by that sign. <laughs> I, I, th- I think Catholicism in, 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 uh, in Quebec is more a question of tradition now than it is a question of religiosity. And that's simply it. I don't really? think most people are now religious, like the, like a lot of people, like us. And I think it's the uh, un- unspoken truth about all this. Um, yeah, so I, I hope this, like I, I said, I hope they're setting a trend. When I when I took this story and I posted it on Facebook, it was from uh, CTV News. It spread like wildfire. I like oh, a, yeah. I like almost a thousand shares right away. It's like oh my god! It just so this is just the city of Montreal that's doing this. Yes. Okay. At this point, and but it's the first step. So I, I hope it spreads, and you know what? I don't see why it wouldn't. And you know, for for government that are st- so strapped uh, in in uh, in cash and always trying to you know shift the the, the, the tax burden onto the payers and all that, why not? Why yeah. not go and go after that little bit of church money? It's not like they're using it for community yeah, services, like, like you say. If the church can show that they're using their property for and that's fair church services. That's totally All week fair. long. Place of worship, you want to be tax exempt? Yep. Okay, fine. Uh, although I, I still don't like the idea, but sure, fine. Let's go with that. And if you're actually using the gr- the grounds for the Boy Scouts or, or for, you know, a community. Uh, all of the community service organizations. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that, that's fair. That's fair. You're doing a community service. That's fair. But in the meantime, it's not being used. Boom, we're taxing you. And why yeah. not? Yeah. That, that is awesome. I think whether it was the U.S. that uh, last year... <laughs> Uh, that I was reading about that if a church did do community service and could document that they were feeding the homeless or uh, having a Boy Scout troop or doing something that the taxes would be offset depending on the amount of community service that they they actually engaged in. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I think it was the States. I, what, I don't think it was. Well, that the sounds almost like what Montreal's doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm wonder if, yeah, was, I think I wonder if I've got my country's mixed on that. up. But well, it makes sense, and, and and it brings churches, you know, into actually doing some service rather than talking about it, which is, you know, supposedly so, what a church is for. Anyway. So a little more progressive, could that be yeah. applied to other businesses? So if a business is utilizing their property for community service. Well, in a way, they're almost doing it already. I mean, uh, we've had this discussion here in Vancouver about the empty houses that are bought from China, right? And they've applied at 15% tax if you're a non-resident and the house just sits empty because in a way, it does destroy the neighborhood. So I, I totally get why they would do that. Okay. But there's an argument to be made that it's unfair, you know, for people who are on vacation or, or go on an extended holiday, all of a sudden now they're taxed because their their houses are empty. I read I read pros and pros and cons, but taxes my heart, are, are my not heart's not bleeding. Fair. My heart's not bleeding for those people. If no. you have enough money that you can spend 182 days in Florida and 183 days in in Vancouver, and you've got a house in Florida, maybe on the beach in Miami. And you got the house, the big million dollar mansion, two million dollar yeah, mansion in, in Vancouver. I'm not, yeah. I'm not really bleeding for you. No, like it's not. <laughs> it's not my that. Pay your fifteen percent. Of course, you know when I posted this story, there was a couple of uh, answers that people that answered me back rather negatively about this. There was this one person I won't name that said, you know, uh, she she said that essentially the uh, this was about property value. And she said, no, like these these people are just trying to get those churches to close. She's a religious person, and. To, so, uh, because the church was saying what is considered prime real estate, and the city can develop it after, and uh, she she kind of she kind of berated me, saying, you know, it's it's so sad that you're so rabid about your religion of atheism, <laughs> and you want to ram it down everybody's throat. So I answered, well, that's funny. I said, first of all, atheism isn't a religion; it's simply a response to a question. 
And it's rich to say that I'm shoving atheism down your throat. That's right. We atheists have passed blasphemy laws. We have tax exemption. We knock on your door and spread the good news. We lobby politicians from Sunday pulpits. We even have columns in the local papers promoting atheism. We even try our best to offer alternative theory to creationism on Sunday school. We make sure our hospitals deny care to those people because of our belief in science. And we even let those die because they didn't pray. I'm so tired of shoving atheism down your throat, I mean. <laughs> get, get a bunch of likes on that one? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Did she unfriend you after that? <laughs> no, but I expect it soon. <laughs> she reads it. <laughs> That's one way to unfriend people in a hurry. Oh, God. So let's go to commercial break, and we'll be right back with Apophenia. Stay with us. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. People like Ray Comfort are fond of saying, what use is half a wing, right? Have you ever seen a f***ing penguin? <laughs> life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? A Canadian, a New Yorker, and a Southern Belle walked into a podcast. And all hell broke loose. Seriously, though, what happens when we three ladies get together? Well, definitely a lot of talking. And accents. Funny accents. Well, I don't have an accent, but my co-hosts sure do. We mix North, South, and the Great White North together for two hours of pure secular discussion. Nothing is off-limits. From goofy religions like Scientology, woo like ghost hunting and alternative medicine, to hardcore history, hermeneutics, sex, and science, we cover it all. What the heck is a hermeneutic? Well, it's not a guy named Herman who sings falsetto, that's for sure. Join Beth, Ashley, and myself, Deborah, every Monday night at 9.30pm Eastern, and we take you beyond the trailer park and bring the conversation to life. Join us live on YouTube and participate in the conversation via the Q&A system, or catch us later on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Nobex. Visit www.beyondthetrailerpark.com for links to the show and our upcoming schedule. Bring your wine and sweet tea and settle in for fun facts and free thinking. We happily wear the explicit tag, though, so make sure to wash out your mouth with something tasty before listening. That's live at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Come give us a like and a share, no matter what type of accent you have. Whoever is led to believe that species are mutable will do good service by conscientiously expressing his conviction. For only thus can the load of prejudice by which this subject is overwhelmed be removed. So what you know about natural selection? Go ahead and ask a question and see where the answer is. And we're back. All right. Well, before we get into your subject of, uh, of uh, apophenia and peridolia, which is... Uh, Wow, you got the pronunciations of those down. I, the, I'll just let you say it every time I come to the word. That's... <laughs> I, I think I think Nancy said it best. It's, it sounds like a it sounds like a tourist place, you know. In, in, in well, it Greece. is actually it is actually from a Greek. Uh, it does. It, yeah. it's a, you're going from one little Greek city to the other <laughs> with oh. uh, with Uzo, a little uh, <laughs> Uzo in between. Oh, let's do a segment that we always love called Another Brilliant Moment. Uh-oh. Brought to you by religion. Okay. 
Now, guys, I'm afraid to have to announce that the Earth is flat. Did you know that? <laughs> and here's proof. Because a flat Earth conspiracy theorist YouTuber has taken on... He went on a plane, right? He wanted to prove that the Earth was flat. And you know what? He, he, he did an experiment, a scientific experiment. Uh-huh. And you know what he brought on the, oh, to, do, to measure that the Earth was flat? A carpenter level. <laughs> now, YouTube conspiracy theorist D. Marble, I think he lost his marbles too, <laughs> took a flight from North Carolina to Seattle in order to monitor whether or not the pilot would dip the nose of the plane to compensate for the curvature of the planet. And he did that by bringing a carpenter level on board the plane. So a he, scientific genius. Oh, sure. absolutely. He's got all the intelligence of a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> that high? <laughs> right, the gnat knows how to fly. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is, it's from North Carolina to Seattle. It's not that big of a trip either, right? So he, him and his followers believe in his video uh, that the Earth is flat. He says, quote, I recorded 23 minutes and 45 seconds time lapse which by those measurements mean the plane traveled a little over 203 miles. He explained this video. According to the curvature math given by to explain the globe model, this should have resulted in the compensation of a five mile of curvature. Now, interestingly, he actually did a bit of science and calculations to come up with that answer. But he's completely wrong well, about it. So he, he missed one part of the equation, and that's that gravity also follows you around the curvature. Exactly. <laughs> so if I, if we put a level on your floor, of the floor of our studio, and it's level, that that's another indication that the Earth is full. Oh, uh, exactly. This is why I'm converting he, now. That's right. He never had yes. to get on the plane. He could just, you know, put it right. Quote, understand oh. that gravity is still just a theory, he goes on to say. <laughs> No more defending what we know to be true. Now we take the flight to the enemy. The video has been shared by several Flat Earther Society, including Flat Earth Activism, God's Flat Earth, and various globe deniers around the globe. Yep, the joke never gets old. Of course, then it went on on Twitter, and Twitter kind of had a field day with that. Did Donald Trump weigh in on it? No. (laughs) And one of the best lines was from a guy named uh, Tom Online at... uh, he says, I want to explain physics to him, but I'm afraid of violating the prime directive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead. All right, All right. That was cool. Well, here's another nice little story. You know, because when it comes to God, you never know where you'll find him. And this Florida mother finds God in her newborn's baby soil diaper. <laughs> well, it's an appropriate place. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit is right. <laughs> So you, you never know when God will send you a sign. And some people claim he talks to them in their dream. And uh, some people find him in their toes. And Florida's Katie Vasquez found him through her newborn's baby diaper. Oh, my. <laughs> um, there's a picture here. I'll show you the picture if you want. No, I don't want to see the picture. Did, did they, no. Did, no. Did she pass it Hopefully she didn't frame it and put it on the wall. Well, she didn't. I don't know if she pushed around the, uh, the, the diaper, but uh, she wrote it on her Facebook page. Uh, she, she says, quote, Sometimes in our bu- busy, crazy, hectic lives, we forget how wonderful God is. Today I feel although he sent me a sign saying everything will be all right. I'm right here by your sign. The sign came in the oddest form. My baby's poop. <laughs> I went to change his diaper and he pooped across. Holy shit balls. <laughs> it might not be the previous sign, but... <laughs> God stinks. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> you knew where I'd see it. My baby's diaper. Hard to miss. That's right there in front of you. <laughs> If you want or you can, you can feel feel free to share the message that God is with us and he gives us signs to let us know things will be okay. It's not always the prettiest sign, but it puts it where he knows we'll see it. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit indeed. Uh, so wow. as far as we can tell, Vasquez is sincerely religious and not trying to troll people. <laughs> and the diaper is any indication of my own baby's bowel movement. Uh, this is uh, from him and Meta. Uh, must have been a god screaming at me because it was a hell of a lot of crosses <laughs> together. I guess that means emptying out the diaper genie is a form of bias for me. <laughs> oh. oh my god. 
Oh, what would we do with other religions, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just have a little, a little better, but it wouldn't they be are so, strange. It, it wouldn't be as funny. Oh God, yes. All right, <laughs> let's move on. All right, so today we're talking about apophenia and pareidolia. Scott, yes. the mic is all yours. You're going to lead this. I have all no right. idea what you're talking about. I so. have no idea what I'm talking about either. So <laughs> right. A while ago, Kevin asked if I wanted to run with an idea for show content. His suggestion was to tackle visual miracles. That was my Things suggestion? people see. Yeah, that was your suggestion. Oh, wow. And, I actually had a good idea. That, that story that you just, you led right into it with the diaper story. Perfect. That was yeah. great. Uh, what I found was interesting. The topic is well documented from several angles, depending on how you want to skin this cat. <laughs> cat reference. <laughs> <laughs> this show we're is coming together about, very well today. We're not really talking is. about Th- acoustic this kitty show, here. This show is catastrophic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some some examples of these miracles, which we just heard about one that that was really interesting. I'd never heard that one before. I've chosen some from an ABC uh, ABC News article, and uh, they center on the face of Christ. Okay, so a pierogi, as seen in a photo from uh, September thirteenth, two thousand and fourteen, at Saint Andre's Besset Catholic Church in Ecorse, Michigan, appearing to show Christ. And yes, the picture did look like Christ's face on the pierogi. Kind of a strange place to find it. but oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Maybe. If you can find it in the diaper, who's to question a well, pierogi? I'm not going to question a pierogi. <laughs> yeah, but maybe the chosen people are not the Jews after all. Maybe the Ukrainians. <laughs> <laughs> An image of Christ was spotted during a spectacular Northern Lights display near the town of Ar- uh, Akrains, Iceland, by photographer John uh, Hilmerson. He'll, I'm, I'm massacring his name. He'll forgive us, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, who was prompted by his 10-year-old son to take photographs, and in, in, this was in February 2013. Ah, Ernesto Hernandez of uh, Pocono Summit, Pennsylvania, saw the face of Christ in a golden brown breading of chicken dinner his wife prepared. Uh, Cowgirl Cafe flipped a pancake with a face resembling Jesus on Friday, April 18, 2014. Owner Karen Hendrickson said it wasn't served to a customer. What did they do? Frame it? Like <laughs> <laughs> sold it to a church? I don't know. <laughs> Double the price. <laughs> uh, Jim Lowry of Brooklyn, Ohio, found bird droppings on a windshield that he believes look similar to Christ's face. <laughs> I'm beginning to feel so left out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't get the message like that. <laughs> a family, a family in Splendora, Texas, says an image of Jesus was created by mold in their bathroom. People say your house is blessed, Shiana Richards told ABC's Houston station KTRK. I see the head, the hair, a cloak. Oh, my God. So that must be fuzzy mold. Or... <laughs> Don Taylor of Colorado spotted a high-voltage Jesus near Littleton on a phone pole. He told ABC7 in Denver that he's a non-religious individual, but he was stopped in his tracks when he saw the unusual vine growth across from a church, which appears to be the form of a crucified Jesus. On the phone pole pole with the wires. Yeah, it it was actually, it did did look pretty good. It was, uh, yeah, I saw the picture. It was, Yeah, reach out and touch someone with Jesus. (laughs) No, I just just figured out my last statement. We see nothing because we're atheists. There's nothing. Well, and, <laughs> now and, I don't we'll, feel so we'll bad. Lead, I don't feel left out anymore. We'll lead into that. We'll lead into that. The face of Jesus Christ on a slice of three cheese pizza pie. <laughs> the owners of Posh Pizza in Brisbane, Australia, not only spotted the holy image on the pie, they put it up for sale on eBay. According to Australia's Herald Sun, it ultimately sold for about $158. Posh Pizza said the money Fresh would be shipping. donated directly to charity. Oh, See, there, there's a brilliant idea. We we could just fake these things and just find the G, the image of Jesus and just sell it to some. Ah, oh, the money. Oh the, yes, oh, yeah. there's, there's a, a sucker idea. born every minute. Exactly. The Jeez. structures making up the face was composed. Okay, so this is in a picture. That the description kind of got a little uh, messed up here in my notes. The structures making up the face was composed of the heart, blood vessels, bronchi, was seen during an examination of the thoracic spine. Thoracic kick spine via an open MRI machine by radiologist Christopher, Christopher Vittori and Kevin Tribble. Now, that's interesting. So it looked like Jesus in the person's MRI. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. 
and and these are all looking for like uh, face. You'll notice yes. most of these these are all facial things, right? An image of Jesus appeared in a sand dune. This is from Google Earth. So looking into the explanations for these sightings, I was able to find. Now from Wikipedia, <clears throat> apophenia is the human tendency to perceive meaningful patterns within random data. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And and there is actually a web page I can I can go to on that. There's another one called simul, simulacra, which is uh, perceptions of religious imagery in natural phenomenon. Some uh, uh, called simulacra, um, with spiritual or religious themes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's pareidolia, which is a psychological phenomenon in which the mind responds to a stimulus, an image, or a sound by perceiving a familiar pattern where none exists. So these get confusing when you look at them because they all describe almost the same thing. Yes. Yes, they do. And uh, this is from skeptic.com. Okay. There is an universal tendency among mankind to conceive all things like themselves and to transfer to every object those qualities with which they are familiarly acquainted and of which they are intimately conscious. We find human faces on the moon, armies in the clouds, and by natural propensity, if not corrected by experience and reflection, ascribe malice or goodwill to everything that hurts or pleases us. And that was David Hume. He was a Scottish philosopher, historian, economist, and essayist who is best known today for his highly influential system of philosophical empiricism, skepticism, and naturalism. Mm. That is from Wikipedia. Uh, that man died in 1776. So One of the inspirations for the late great Christopher Hitchens as well. He was yeah. pretty fond of David Hume. So an interesting discussion. What do you guys think of... Uh... Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite... You know, if you do know a, even a little bit about biology and human prehistory, uh, recognizing patterns is what helped us survive. You know, uh, there's always that, uh, that old Michael Shermer... Uh, Saying, you know, it says you, you see, you see a, rust, a, a rustling in the grass, and oh, you can, you you'll recognize that as either the wind or a predator, and if you flee, your chances are, even if it's just a wind, but you recognize that pattern all the time, right? The, the recognizing the pattern of a lion in the savanna, recognizing the pattern of threats, and it's something that we've become very, very good at, and of course, we see it now today, and we see. You know, we, we do we do it as a game for kids. You know, sure, in the I mean, clouds. Yes, yeah, exactly. connect connect the dots, and then I guess you could you could uh, extrapolate to Rorschach the Rorschach test. The Rorschach yes. test, yeah. yes, Which, yes. You know, finding that pattern, finding right? finding that. But we are hardwired for that. We have to. We be. totally are hardwired yeah. for that, and it's it's. I find I find it amazing when we they always see these patterns of Jesus. Uh, they want to find Jesus. It's totally obvious. They want to find Jesus, and. Especially when we consider that the modern depiction of Jesus is probably not even a right one, you know, there's there's always been the rumor going around that actually that is uh, the uh, depiction of Caesar Borgia, one of the uh, the son of the the uh, what was that guy? The, the, he was the Pope, one of the Borgias there, yeah. And then you know, that was the rumor for the longest time that the, the modern depiction of Jesus is actually that guy, and it's not no. the Jesus of history if he ever existed. Mm-hmm. So I, I find it amazing that people are going out of their way. And also incredible to the, these people not stopping for half a second to think that Jesus appearing in mold, in bird droppings. <laughs> bird droppings, I yeah, mean, I mean, come I, on. I, really? Is this the best you have? You yeah. know, Jesus in mold? Come on. I mean, you think, you think the, the creed of the universe would have something a bit more grand in mind than, you know, appearing on mold or something like that? Well, it's interesting. People that do that, you really have to, at least I, I wonder about how they perceive the world in general. I mean, they obviously are religious people, but what is it that made that leap, you know, for them to be able to see, see Jesus in the pizza pie, you know, and... Um, and feel well. That's that's perfectly okay. It's a sign to me. It's not anything strange. This is actually a sign. Yeah. 
and then the whole church, the, the whole church, then no. you know, believe that that actually happened, or they're skeptics, or do they feel no, it's a sign? Mm-hmm. From, from so what it's I've, a culture, yeah. It's, from it's, what it's I've read, yeah, it's a, it's a cultural thing. The perceiver, the person perceiving the image, is forming the image based on their own cultural and, and yes. belief biases, mm-hmm. yes. right? Yes. So we don't see it because we're not looking for it. Yeah. We're we're, you know, as atheists, we're. <laughs> I don't know how you're seeing Jesus in that, but okay. Okay, whatever you say, I'll take your word for it because I don't see it. Mind you, I do see the duck in the clouds or the the rabbit or, you know, little girl with an umbrella. I've seen things like that, and and yeah. But then that really brings up an interesting question, and I don't know about the sightings that they're probably in one category, but let's say Kevin and I and, and you and... And uh, you know, we were all going out, and Teresa, we were all going out for pizza, and we all see Jesus in the pizza. What does that, I mean, th- we all recognize that we may not say Jesus, but it's a human being, and then we say, oh, but it could be Jesus. Well, Would we see it? Well, the, the, it's because the image of the, the Jesus is iconic, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if, if somebody, for, for example, never even touched Catholicism or, or Christianity in any way, shape, or form, might say a bearded man, or might say Eric Clapton, or, you know, yeah, hey. might, might say a whole bunch of things, but we recognize that Jesus because the, the image is so iconic, right? That and automatically, that's, that's the first it's a one cultural, we go to. It's a cultural inference, and, yes. the, and the perceiver is in control of that, right? Now, you can take it one step further, because when you talk about near-death experiences, uh, isn't that interesting also that when you have a near-death experience, people see what their culture or religious upbringing show, uh, told them they would see, right? Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're a Christian, you end up, you know, tunnel of light and fluffy on the clouds, and there's Jesus, but if you're Muslim, you know, tunnel of light and uh, 72 virgins and Allah or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and even there was this one case I, I remember that, that struck me because it, it happened to be um, a near-death experience that happened to a, a four-year-old. And when they asked him to describe what he saw, he essentially described a, uh, a nice park with four rivers of different color. There was a yellow river and a green river and and a red river and there were like puppies and stuff like that. And so when you stop thing, for half a things second... Things that he would have wanted to see. It's not just that. If you put that image on paper, that's exactly the drawing of a child, of a four-year-old exactly. child. Yeah, rainbow. Exactly. That's his, yep. that's his world. That's his world. The rainbow right? connection, that, right? That's, exactly, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Psychology. Yeah, yes. I, I, I would love to find out how, if, if atheists or non-believers, I don't want to say, if non-believers have ever spotted a Jesus and reported it. If they ever spotted a Jesus and reported it? No, in, the, in a pizza or in the diapers or in a piece of toast. Oh, the yeah, where, it's a, where it's an atheist going, yeah, oh, Yeah, where, the, where God, it's an atheist that's yeah. reported it and said, I, I see this. That's yeah. a good I question. I didn't even look yeah. into that aspect of it. I do know that under, under the um, pareidolia, or actually the simmeral, whatever it was, that second one that I said, um, they describe Christians tend to see Christian so they'll see the Virgin Mary. They'll see the face of Jesus. They'll see other religious figures that they're familiar with, that they f- they're familiar with the, uh, the mm-hmm. appearance of. When you go to the Muslims, now the Muslims see their language. They actually see the, the words of, and, and it's interesting because what they attribute it to is that it's a, their, their language is a very uh, simplified, uh, what do they call it, cuneiform? It's it's not like the alphabet. It's yeah. it's 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 drawn letters, and it's very easy for them to identify with those. So they'll see, they'll see religious references from the Quran that that they recognize, right? Yeah, and it's, it's as soon as they see a reference or something that might just tie it, where they made that connection triggers, yeah. to them, it just equals truth right away. Yeah. But then when we see it, when it's posted, we see it as described well sure you know, because somebody's yeah, describing because it because then, oh, and, and then there's no more pat the, the pattern is already there and we're predisposed to say yes it, I, I see the jesus in that cheese sandwich mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's interesting it really is it really is 
So apophenia, like I said, is a spontaneous perception of connection and meaningfulness of unrelated phenomenon. The term was coined by German neurologist and psychiatrist Klaus Conrad. 1958. Yes. You didn't live very long, 1905 to 1961. Conrad focused on the finding of abnormal meanings or significance in random experiences by psychotic people. And we see this on a, on a very regular basis, especially in movies, right? How many times do you have this, uh, this, um, this almost this um, chase, this... Uh, this what, what am I? What's the term I'm looking for here? Um, when you, you they're, they're on a quest, but they, they find clues that leads to the next one, and they, they find these links, these mysterious links that doesn't really make any sense, but somehow it leads them to the yeah, treasure, right? Exactly. Yes. Unrelated, unrelated clues yeah. that you know, form a pattern in somebody's mind, and they make the aha, aha, moment. the aha yeah, moment, the, exactly, the aha moment, the aha moment, and you most know, of us would never recognize the aha mo- moment. I've, I've I realized that watching these movies, that you you recognize it when you watch it two and three times. Oh yeah, that makes sense now. Well, well it's it like MacGyver. It's like MacGyver. He has to solve a problem, <laughs> and he has unrelated can of hairspray and uh, a uh, a rubber a rubber chicken and two um, uh, folding chairs. Oh, he can make a weapon. He can make it. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. oh, wow. He can. He had, he had a paper clip, a piece of twine, and bubble gum. He made a nuclear warhead. <laughs> exactly. They, I think they remade MacGyver, didn't they? Yeah. yeah they, they remade it the series. It didn't. Uh, no? I don't think it lasted. Okay, well. Can't blame it. just no. wasn't the same without Richard Dean Anderson. No, but I guess, it's the bullet. Yeah, I guess that's the ultimate pattern yes. you know, that, that forms a solution. And, of course, pareidolia is a type of apophenia, which is more generalized in terms of seeing patterns of random data. Some connection, common example is seeing the likeness of Jesus in the clouds or an image of a man on the surface of the moon. Um, exactly. I think, I think what, we, what we're missing here is I think pareidolia has probably also given rise to legends and myth of ancient, right? Like the man on the moon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the face of the man on the moon, I think, was probably one of the, the reasons people started thinking about Things like extraterrestrials, right? Uh, the uh, the 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 face on Mars, the face on Mars, the face on Mars. Yeah. you know, which of that's, course that's a really good example, actually, because that's one where if you look at it from a different angle, they always pick on that one picture. Yeah, which was if you in look the, at it from a different angle. There's no face there. No, it's no, just, and it's they, just they, of course the face on Mars, if people don't know, is uh, a picture that was taken by what was it? Uh, the 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 face on Mars. What was the craft on Mars? It was a, one of the early crafts in the 70s that took a picture of... Oh, that wouldn't have been uh, Viking. Or not Viking. Um, uh, face on Mars. Yes, Viking 1 mission returned to pictures of the Martian surface in 1976. They must show a rocky face uh, in, in the region. And it because of the, sh- the shade against this mountain, it looked like... Like a ghostly face. It really did look like a ghostly face. Well, this happens all the time in, in places where there are mountains and you have different craggy, um, out, out reach, what you, the little crag, and someone will say, oh, that looks that looks just like the, the, the Iroquois chief. Yes. And so they'll name that, or it's Elephant Rock. Yes, yes. Or um, the, the, Shirakawa Bluff or something. There's that? a rock like that right across the street in Mission, uh, across the water in Mission, that uh, from the the Halem tribe, and the legends have built around it, and it's supposed to be a man looking up. It looks like a freaking boulder. I mean, I I, I don't see it at all, <laughs> but yeah. it gave rise to their legends and the legend about this man who apparently was a hero and he was kind of transformed into a rock and what whatever. And go, going back on the face on Mars is it's exactly that that image where we saw this image uh, of Viking 1, gave rise to a plethora of conspiracy theories about people on Mars and civilizations on Mars and, you know, conspiracy theories, how the government's hiding this and, you know. (laughs) But the Earth's flat. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And and, and just from that one image, which was a a trick of the mind, essentially, right? And here we go, we've got these conspiracy theories all from that one image. So it, it just it just goes that we can well, be easily, easily fooled. Yeah. Uh, and I think if we took this argument far enough, I think we'd end up at free will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could. We totally could. <laughs> but oh, it is, it's fast. I mean, our minds are, are 
just absolutely fascinating, as the neuroscientists have been pointing out. Did well, you guys ever see that picture? That picture of um, it was uh, speaking of uh, pareidolia and uh, apophenia. Uh, I guess it's more pareidolia that one because it was a, a yeah. dog's butt. But it looked like Jesus. <laughs> oh yes, I saw that uh, one. It, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you know, right away you see it. It's like that's perfect. You know, Jesus appears in mysterious places. <laughs> Why do people believe in that stuff? Well, you know, I, I think I think. I th Why are people paying so much attention to a dog's butt? I think that was that was that was that aimed at me. There's a philosophical question, if there ever was one. Uh, that was aimed at me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, perfect! All right. Oh goodness. I guess we'll end the show on that. Time for my rant. Now, on this show, you've probably noticed there is an endless supply of stories of people finding significance and or signs of the supernatural in everyday objects and situations. I have no idea what our Another Brilliant Moment Brought to You by Religion segment would look like if it wasn't for apophenia and pareidolia. That said, we might be tempted to look upon those that find Jesus in a diaper, on a pierogi, on a dog's, dog's butt, as a victim of a system imposed upon them as children. After all, the old Jesuit adage of give me the first seven years and I will give you the man, a quote falsely attributed to Ignatius Laloya, comes to mind. But this is the age of information. There is no excuse to think that the almighty creator of the universe, one who speaks things into being, arbiter of life and death, chooses to reveal his glory on a grilled cheese sandwich? After seeing the cornucopia of ridiculous claims ranging from Cheetos Jesus or cheeses, to the Weeping Mary statue, which turns out the water actually came from a broken toilet, a reasonable believer should start asking, maybe it's me. And that is what this folly is all about. I bet that deep down, many Christians know full well that their ship isn't holding water, and it's quickly sinking. And if there's something all human hates, it's being wrong. We hate it to the point of looking for solutions, patterns, and clues to reinforce our bias. With our natural tendency to find these patterns, it becomes all too easy to purposely fool ourselves into belief to make sure we remain on that emotional high mythology gives us. I have no sympathy for these people. You aren't victims. You're scared. Scared of what it means to live in a world with no safety net, no second chance, and accountable for your mistakes. There never was a scapegoating Jesus to save you from yourself, and if you truly think that a cloud a form of a cloud, is a convincing way of relaying a message from the divine, while no wonder the Bible holds sway over your life. All you've really proven is your refusal to grow up. And that takes us to the end of our show. Unless you get something else to add. No, no, no. We could talk about that one all day. Per, uh, Peridalia. I mean, I'm not the dog's butt. But... <laughs> No, it's good. It's good to have the time sometimes when we don't have a guest, when we can just ramble and bring out all of these arcane and interesting topics that are thought-provoking. We're and rambling, I'm right. hoping I'm hoping that our audience <laughs> is having as much fun as we are, because this can really lead you down interesting pareidolia pathways. Pareidolia apophenia pathways. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. If you see our uh, www.leftofthevalley.com in the clouds, feel free to contact us. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can send us an email at leftofthevalley@outlook.com, And I found that by looking in the sand. <laughs> coming up I'm not even sure what we get next week I don't even have the schedule with me but we'll have something for sure and we have Del Rey coming up as well and we're also in talks with David Smalley and Jerry Coyne oh is Jerry Coyne coming on I, I'm trying to get him to come oh boy and uh, if Jerry Coyne comes we'll be talking about why evolution is true oh good yeah good. we That's need it. that yes well you know we already know it's true but you know some people out there apparently need more convincing yeah. The same kind of people that take levels on airplanes and figure that that's going to tell them where, where yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's, he'll be an interesting guest. He goes off in so many different directions and yes. very thought provoking. I'm also trying to get Jerry Dewitt to come, so that should be fun too. Jerry Dewitt was one of the first ones to go through the clergy project 
who was a preacher. He totally has that preacher swagger and probably the best hair in atheism. And uh, today he's an atheist, so his, his story from being a preacher to an atheist should be a compelling one. Looking Thanks, forward to it. Anything else you want to add? No, we'll be no. here in Apophenia. Same yeah. time, same place, same station. Why, why, when you say it, Nancy, you say that word, and all I see is the, the, the Greek uh, uh, amphitheaters. <laughs> you know, the big amphitheaters with all the concrete <laughs> staging. There's your pattern. <laughs> nice and easy. That's Thank you, guys. Right. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.